This show is brought to you by Archivos, www.archivos.digital, helping organize and manage your original and fan fiction stories. And by Audible, get a free audiobook when you sign up today, audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Jodel Ferland from Dark Matter, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm M. I can't read copy for the life of me, Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Don't you have like a semi-professional gig where you do that sort of thing? I mean... I have one gig, <laughs> which actually I need to finish re-recording a bunch of lines for um, for the for my friend's game. But oh, yeah, one gig. Right. One gig, right? Anyways, uh, Em, <laughs> it is great to have you on, and uh, I should Good introduce to hear you guys. Yes, I should introduce myself as the guy that deletes Em's notes. <sighs> that that really sucked. Yeah, that yeah doesn't I, pay attention. I know. Em was uh, not very happy with me about half an hour ago. I was. Pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Pissed. I'm sorry. I, I curled up in the ball and hit in the corner when I started well, okay. seeing everything in pink. But I had time because I wanted to watch the show and make notes at the same time. So I'm, we're watching. I'm watching the first episode of Discovery, and there's little things where I'm like, oh, well, there's got to be an Easter egg here. Well, this is this harkens to this. This harkens to this. Is this purposeful or is this are they sticking to canon? So I'm making all of these notes, and then I look, and there's nothing. And it's I'm all deleting gone. all these notes. It's all gone. <laughs> uh, it was an accident, uh, and I get that. But dude, duh, but that's so frustrating. Like, it's heartbroken. I know. And I'm so sorry. So sorry. Anyways. But tonight we are going to be talking. Uh, what are we talking about, Miles? This is uh, this is your gig, the menu. Well, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world. But we actually have some Star Trek to talk about. And this new sci-fi show, Orville. Both of them take place in space. Uh, we'll also have uh, later in the show our interview with uh, Jodell Furland. Um, Listeners will know her from uh, Dark Matter, but she has... Um, Cabin in the Woods, too. And... She's done horror movies when she was younger. She guest-starred um, an episode of Stargate Atlantis, a really fan-favorite fan one where she was uh, acted alongside um, uh, our, the two leads. And also, um, she, she had uh, guest-starred an episode of uh, Stargate SG-1 when she played the younger uh, version of uh, the Orisai um, Oh, so, so yeah, she she. I mean, she's a young woman, but she's been around the block. Uh, she's as far as the, the sci-fi shows and movies. Yeah, awesome. And then we have a sci-fi five and five. We have a sci-fi five and five. Yeah, top five Easter eggs in Star Trek Discovery. Right, uh, five, five Easter eggs I picked out. Yeah. Oh, that you picked out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and might have a bone to pick with you whether some of them are truly Easter eggs. Is that right, Adam? So there was a discussion at work today about whether it's an Easter egg or a purposeful decision. So a couple of things that were made, a couple of things follow canon. So they don't, they weren't really Easter eggs. They're just purposeful decisions that yeah. were made. We like the, at work, we decided an Easter egg is something that's truly a surprise and we don't expect. Ah, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to, you know, 
evaluate them, Miles. Miles, you are on the witness stand. Okay, we'll see if it's a genuine Easter egg or not. Right, right. We will evaluate. The gavel will sound. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. Anyways, let's talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world. Em, do you want to take it away? Um. Well, like we've started talking about, uh, I've watched Orville, which I was really looking forward to and was a little nervous because I don't like Family Guy. I think it's it feeds to the lowest common denominator as far as humor goes. There's some really smart humor, and then it just goes into the toilet, and I can't take it. Um, so I was concerned, but it's really clear that Seth MacFarlane has, and his team have a lot of respect. So we'll talk about that. Um, Stephen King released a new book today. My coworker grabbed me a copy, so I will get it tomorrow. And then this past Friday, I went to go see The Kingsman, um, which is the it's the second one. So right now it's a sequel. I don't know if they're going to make a series. The way it ends, it seems like it'll be a series. But it has gone from cheesy to like lactose intolerant cheesy <laughs> in a really, really good way. And it's kind of funny. It was you can kind of predict what's going on, but the action was so good. Like and it was very it was it was very anime esque. And so I appreciated a lot of that. Plus, with all the fun British accents, and then the guy from um, uh, Game of Thrones, who is from Dorne, who's pissed because the mountain killed his sister. I can't think of his name. I know you talk about, but yeah, yeah, he'll lose me. So he's an amazing Chilean actor, and I love him. He plays this good old Southern Texan guy. Who it just it blows me away. He's really really good. Um, but in watching that, I finally saw the newest big trailer for Justice League, and it's clearly got Joss Whedon's fingertips on it. Oh, good, good. That's what we they, want. They <laughs> they spoiled something at the end, which really pissed me off because it's really clear who he's talking to at the end. But it's supposed to be a big secret. But it was like it's like the worst secret ever. <laughs> And I'm not going to say it because, you know, I'm sure you can figure it out. Yeah, probably. Well, I will have to watch that online. So That's pretty much it. What do you guys have to do? Did you go see Stephen King's It? No, because clowns are made of lies and hate. Yeah. They're yeah. horrible. I cannot stand clowns. Well, and I wouldn't, I, it's not the type of movie I would. I had students that have said they've gone to see it and uh, lights were on all night. Uh, in their bedroom, and uh, <laughs> doors were propped amazing. open with, with like cans of water on top of the door, just in case. Like, but. look, it's clowns and magicians. They're just made of lies, and I'll I won't have it. I'll have no truck with that. <laughs> oh my! So, Miles, how about you? Uh, what's going on in your sci-fi world? Uh, I'm enjoying the last ship. Uh, Peter Weller, um, RoboCop. Oh and yeah, he he's playing uh, the bad guy this season, which is great. He's good in whatever he does. Uh, uh, also, join the Orville with both of you. I watched both episodes of Star Trek Discovery. I just see STDs here. I'm like, what, what are you watching STDs for? I put that there to see what you would say. Yeah. And you took the bait. I took the bait. Thanks a lot, Miles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, well done, Miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Still calling me out. Yep. And uh, still reading uh, Star Trek Enterprise novel Patterns of Interference by uh, Christopher Bennett. Uh, but I just recently purchased um, 
uh, David Mack wrote a, a tie-in novel between Star Trek Discovery and, um, I guess, best way to say it, um, the crew of Discovery is going to interact with the crew of the Enterprise from um, the episode of The Cage. That time, they're both contemporaneous, so, but um, I, I think this takes place before, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure the events of this novel take place before the events of uh, uh, the pilot. But, uh, yeah. So, so they aren't doing that in Discovery. They're doing it in the novelization. In the novelization, right, yeah. right, right. Is it considered official novelization? So it's canon. I I don't think so. I I, I don't. Canon. <laughs> Are any of the tie novels really canon? I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. They in Star- might say, Star- "Hey, dude, in, these are fine." In Star Wars, they do that. Like I think the new timeline and new book series. The Disney is sanctioned saying, yep, these are considered canon, but the old series is out. Yes. Look, we're nerds. Mm -hmm. I know. We have a need and a purpose for things to be in a specific order or to follow an order. So So we are OCD nerds is what you're saying. We're just like that. This that part doesn't even be said. It's kind of understood (laughs) in the in nerd. It's like silent when you spell nerd. Uh, It's a given. Yeah. As far as I don't, I think this will be like the rest of the Star Trek novels. Anything, anything in print is not considered canon, but it should still be a great story. Uh, David Mack has written some great Star Trek novels, so I can't wait to, uh, yeah, to start that. reading this book. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I just finished my second read through of Thrawn. The it's a Star Star Wars novel, and he's made appearances in Rebels and uh, was a part of the uh, series as no longer canon, but they reintroduced him. Um, Timothy Zahn still writing about the character and it's kind of his character and uh, did a beautiful job the second time reading through was just as good as the first he's probably the greatest non-screen Star Trek Star Wars character Uh, certainly one of the greatest Star Wars villains Mm -hmm. that is Mm non-screen that in Asajj Ventress is probably the other one although she's made much more screen time with like the Clone Wars and with the and with Rebels than anything but she has not I don't know has she made in Rebels or is just Clone Wars Maybe it's Clone Wars, but never in the official movies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, anyways, so I'm reading Dark Disciple, which is a story that's focused on Asajj Ventress. And it's considered canon. Mm. So I guess uh, the Disney canon, right? Yeah. So, so and, then, and then I'm also watching Orville. And, uh, and we'll probably watch Discovery. I've not watched Discovery. But as I told Miles before the show that we can spoil the heck out of it. I don't care. So. Isn't going back to Clone Wars? Isn't Clone Wars considered canon? Yes, it is. The uh, Clone Wars, the animated series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't talking about the uh, fan fiction that came before, but that's also considered oh. canon. But okay. um, but she doesn't make an appearance. The only one she makes an appearance in is in the Clone Wars animated series. So, and she, she's one of the, I think if you if you're a line of villains, she would have to be like one of the top five villains of Star Star Wars. I mean, you have Palpatine, you have you have Vader, you have Dooku. It's I don't know how I feel about him as a villain. Um, then you have Darth Maul, and I think Asad's Ventures has to be there. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, so that's it. That's what's going on in my sci-fi world. Cool. So, yeah. And uh, other than that, I've been playing some Carcassonne with my son, and that's been fun. Marscapone. Mars, is that what you call it? <laughs> so, what the first time I saw the box, I I couldn't pronounce it. I wasn't really sure how to pronounce it, but it looked like Mars Capone to me, so I made the joke. And someone very abruptly 
pointed out to me that I was wrong. Uh. And they said, don't you understand? Can't you speak French? And I said, no, I don't speak French. <laughs> but now that I know it cheeses you off, it shall forever be known as Marscapone. Marscapone. This is not a dairy product. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the way, Thrawn and Dark Disciple have excellent readers. I, I, I of course, listen to my books, as you know. And, uh, and you can, too. Uh, we have that audible trial that M mentioned at the beginning of the show. And What um, a segue. Yeah, it is. But, it's just, <laughs> but uh, the, I've always... It's been rare that I've come out of a Star Wars novelization and not enjoyed the reader. Jonathan Davis used to read them for the longest time. Mm. Um, and I think they have, other, they have other readers, but these readers, the voices uh, sound very good. In fact, uh, there, was, I was, there was a voice in one of the recent um, novelizations that came, out of the, came after The Force Awakens or before The Force Awakens that's in the Dark Disciple. I said, I recognize that voice. He's from 500 years in the future. No. But it, so it must be the same reader because it looks, it sounds very similar. So, cool. but anyways, you know, some great readers and uh, well worth checking out. I can't give you my evaluation of Dark Disciple except that I am enjoying it thoroughly as I read it. So, good yeah. Deal. Very good. Well, let's talk. Tonight, we're here to talk about Trek, not Star Wars. Um, so let's talk about, uh, well, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about Discovery first? Do you want to talk about Orville first? I mean, where do you want to go? Let's talk about Orville, because you've seen it. That's good, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be okay. We, we should talk about Discovery, whether I saw it or not. So just want to be very clear with that, Em. So. Okay. So um, so let's talk or- Orville. What do, you, what do you guys, I know we kind of mentioned that we're kind of liking the show. Uh, what about it is grabbing your attention? Miles, why don't we start with you and then and we'll come to you. I, I'm i liking it. One of the reasons I like it, the humor is cute. It's not, and I was concerned about what M expressed as far as, is this going to be in relation to Family Guy? I, I don't care for Family Guy either. But the humor on this show, is, it's, it's, it's very cute. It's not, um, it's not too over the top, but it's just... You know, just a little tongue-in-cheek funny at times. And um, the situation with the captain and the first officer looks like their their marital issues will continue to play an important part of the, the series as they use that for material. Throughout they the- actually seem to be, like, actually working toward patching it up a little bit. Right, but then they seem mm. to argue of like, well, when yeah. you did this when we were married, or when right, you did that, right. when we were, you know. So it's like it seems like they're, they're gonna, this argument is going to keep going for right. you know, the whole show, right. which is fine. So far, it's working. It's not, yeah. they're not beating you over the head yeah. with it. You know, I want to say this about the the humor and the and the concern about that. One of the things that I think the Orville does well is that the Orville has written that in that that sort of humor into the personalities of certain characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like it's out of character for them to be saying it. Like the one, the one guy that supposedly, um, I guess the um, the navigator, the whatever they call him, who who drew penises on the outside of uh, start the starships, <laughs> right? You know, and this is his character. His mind is constantly going to the lowest common denominator. There's no one in the show like this, by the way. But uh, <laughs> you know, going to the lowest common denominator, and um, and it's built in that. You kind of expect that comment to come from him, and uh, but that's not every character, and there's some characters that uh, are very you know uppity up characters. So, 
Yeah, exactly. You know what kind of guy he is. He yeah. He may be a he may be a crack pilot, but he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and yeah. we kind of know where his yeah. his humor goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, how about you? Uh, what's drawing you into the show? So it's cheesy but good. <laughs> it's it it's uh it's actually smart humor, which is great. There's a lot of dry sarcastic humor which I enjoy. Um, there's a couple of things that are like, oh, all right, you've gone a little too far for me. But then they dial it back rather quickly. So it's not that big. Um, uh, hold on. It's not that big of a deal. Um, they're just, they're very quick about it. And I especially like that they, they're approaching kind of political issues that, yeah, like this latest so. episode with the gender reassignment. Yeah. That was that was dark. That was but... very classic Trek, too. I mean, they took a very serious issue, and they didn't come up with a very clear answer for it. They kind of... No, and then it ended, like, they weren't able to save the daughter. Right. She, was, she had gender reassignment and became their son. Like, that's... Without that's, her permission, it was right? heartbreaking. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I was not expecting that. So I feel like Seth MacFarlane doesn't have to bow doesn't have to like go to the cross humor to to get his point across and i i respect that i it's it's really enjoyable yeah it's not that that it's not like that humor wasn't in that episode but it was right. it would but like when i think about that episode i don't think about the humor i think about the that that, the that story the, yeah the, the social commentary yeah, yeah definitely right. and the zoo one oh my god the zoo one was just that was kind of blatant. That was pretty good. Well, yeah, that talk about social commentary there. I mean, so this show is is very much. This is very much a start. It's it's like I, Dave Seller is a guy you've heard me speak about him on the show before. One of our custodians who listens to our show and hi Dave yeah. again. But he said Hello. this because he goes. Let's all say hi to him. Hey, hi. Hi, Dave. hey, Dave. We're gonna hear from him later on in some of his comments he made. But he said <laughs> he said this. He goes. We didn't have Star Trek for like 15 years, and now we have two Star Trek series on the two, uh, pretty on much, the, yeah, the air, pretty much, yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I agree. This certainly there's a little bit of crassness to it, you know, but this is a show in general. I put, I can probably sit down with Kiefer and watch. With the, I think so. With the, with I... the exception of maybe the. You know the uh, you know opening they're in scene. bed, right? <laughs> what was that? The opening scene of the first episode. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could like skip that, but you know, then. Uh, but I mean, there would be references to it, but he'd probably find the fact that you they drew penises on the outside of the ship funny. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you know he's ten years old, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> it's about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. About, so right. about my mentality, you know, <laughs> but. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying it. So Dave came up to me and goes, "Have you watched Orville yet?" No, Dave, I haven't. So I finally, yesterday and today, power watched all three episodes. Wow, uh, <laughs> off the Fox site for free, mind you, and um, and and I enjoy them. I found like, oh, like I couldn't stop watching. I'm very glad that I did. So I'm going to keep up with that series, and um, yeah. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, um. So, I, I do have a question for both of you because you guys will know, and I don't, and I didn't look it up. the The doctor on the Orville, mm-hmm. what has she done before? 
She, uh, pri- pri- Deep Space Nine. Yeah, she was uh, Cassidy Yates in, in, in Deep Space Nine. She was um, Benjamin Sisko's girlfriend slash wife later. That's right. That is right. I knew that I recognized her, and she had such a she has such a regal. She carries herself so regally on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, well, that's right. Get ready because that's not the only Star Trek actor you're going to see on the on the Orville. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, because yeah. uh, so pa- uh, Patrick's. Picard Stewart is what I was about to say. <laughs> um, Patrick Stewart and um, and Scott Bakula are confirmed. Oh my gosh! And there's gosh. a couple others that haven't been released yet. That is awesome. Um, so I need to actually like, I it tickles me that I know that, <laughs> but now I don't want to know because I want to have that moment of oh, oh my god, they're on the show. Now, now the robot. Every time he speaks, not the robot, but the guy, the alien with the mask, the super, super intelligent. That's on the, the, ship. the cybernetic yeah. race. So, so, like, the guy that voices him, totally channeling data. Doesn't his voice. Bit, yeah, like his a voice, Vulcan data. Yeah, he's like, it's like very much data-esque. Like, when I when I hear it, it's, it's, I keep thinking data every time he talks. What is that character's name? Oh, yeah. He's the engineer slash science officer. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, is it Bordis? No, no, Bordis is their their. Oh, uh, it's the, the big guy. Yeah, Bordis is the big big guy. He's the, the, he's the egg layer. Or yeah, <laughs> Clyden. Clyden, Clyden. I think it's Clyden. Is it Clyden? I think so. It's played by a gentleman named Chad Coleman. Right, played bad. I thought, man, did they get you know Brent Spiner to voice it? But no. Oh it wasn't no, him. Clyden is the. It looks like he's the dude who laid the egg. Oh, it, he's Bordis's significant other. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. gotcha. That's right. Thank so you. who's the who's the cybernetic life form? Well, if, oh, if there's only a some place we find Amazon instant IMD information right now, but okay, yeah. So this is this is how the show goes, folks. Yep, yes. I hey, I, I do like Alara. I did have it all written down in my notes. Was she the the, oh, the petite uh, young woman? Yeah, was... she's the one that's yes. incredibly strong. Yes, <laughs> that's well, that, that, and that's is incredibly fr- funny. Quite a beautiful lady in real life. I haven't uh, seen her. She's with that. adorable. She is. She's mm. adorable, but uh, not that she's not adorable in the show either. I made it oh, sound yeah, like she's... I made it sound like she's not, and that's not what I meant. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm you know I'm I'm really enjoying the story. It feels. It feels very much like the star, like Star Trek that we watched before, and so it's very there's something very nostalgic, um, but with potty humor. Yeah, and at the same time, we say that very fresh. I am. I was. I was talking today, but I was amazed that I'm amazed that they've been allowed to kind of get away with it. What do you mean get away with? It? I mean, I don't meaning they... that it's so close. To Star Trek. I mean, they oh, don't. Oh, I see what you're saying. They don't use any ships. The but but the way it's set up, the it, premise, it, the idea is clearly Star Trek. Like, there's no. They aren't. They aren't ashamed. They aren't saying. They aren't pretending not to be Star Trek. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, for la- yeah, they are a parody of Star Trek. Well, maybe that's what saves them. Mm-hmm. There's 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 only so much you can protect in the Star Trek world. Right. Because space does not belong to them. Ships do not belong to them. The idea of a unified group of humans working together with other aliens, not like I th- as long as they're as long as they're 
it's an homage as opposed to a flat out let's do a Star Trek TV show redo, but funny with poop jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they're gonna be okay. We're gonna be fine then. Yeah. Especially since there's friggin' Star Trek stars on it. Well, and writers. I think, I think they and, had people that have been right that have been helped. Some writers from Star Trek have been writing episodes for it. And I'm pretty sure. Have they really? Yeah, Brendan Braga, Jonathan Frakes hasn't. Frakes is going to direct an episode. Yeah, that's directed. amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I enjoy. I think the ship looks great. Um, I like what they're calling their their warp drive. You know. The quantum drive. The quantum drive. The quantum <laughs> drive. You know, and just uh, the the. It's, it's very clear that they're being very careful. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's great. Like I'm, I'm laughing at threading the donkey. You know, and they're when they're flying around the ship trying to keep oh, her from yeah. shooting them, and 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 it's just there's so much stuff that's fun. Yeah, it's a fun show. It's, it, I mean. Well, I was going to originally say, you know, it's not going to beat, you know, you're not going to think too hard when you watch an episode, but well, after the last episode we saw. But you are. I mean, you are going to think hard, yeah. And even the zoo episode, you're going to get that. I yeah, mean, there were, there, yeah, there was some kind of social commentary with that, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, interesting, just to, I, I looked up, how is it doing? So they yanked it after Sunday. It was doing very well after the people would watch. You know the football games, and then, then just tune right into Orville, mm-hmm. um, and they knew it was going to take a hit when they moved it to Thursdays. So it did. It took a fifty percent hit. Okay. That, in that move, um, and you might say that's kind of a uh, uh, a bad thing, but they did say that it hit it fifty percent in the demo. It fell, but they also said. The Orville did rise ten percent among the eight among the eighteen to forty nine viewers uh, in the lead in, and also um, they said that Seth MacFarlane's series drew a two point eight out of nine, the first non sports show to beat the Emmys since ninety seven for Fox. Mm-hmm. A two point eight million viewers, two point eight yes, meals score. I, I, I think it's uh, well, it's. Here, all it says here is Aaron drew a 2.8 out of 9, or 2.8 slash 9, whatever that means. Out I'm, of yeah, 9 I'm not what, sure. though? Yeah, I think that... Um, it's oh, a, it's 2.8 a, rating. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. So Orville reached 8.6 million viewers for an over 2.8 rating among adults 18 to 49. Yeah. Now, now contrast, if we contrast that with Discovery, they, uh, they said that Orville was... I think its opening was 8.9 million and Star Trek got 10 million. So a little bit better for Star Trek. But again, Star Trek's an established franchise and you're mm-hmm. kind of expecting that. What's really going to be what's really going to be core for Star Trek is to see are they going to retain it going all access? That's the That's million dollar the question. Million dollar question, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's only it's only had like the first episodes one and two, and it's already suffering from piracy at a level that is that is worse than Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, no, no doubt because and, people are not going to want to pay for it, and yeah. I you pay for it, and you still have to watch the friggin' commercials. Yeah. Yeah, and when I watched Sunday Night, and 
I, I made the decision, okay, I'm not going to piss them on too much. That's to spend five ninety nine a month for CBS All Access. But if I'm going to spend the money to subscribe to your streaming service, then I shouldn't have to wait till 60 minutes finishes up. I mean, you should drop the episode on time. I mean, I, C- CBS had, let's see, 60 minutes was running, and that, that ran for like a good 15 minutes or longer. I was waiting for that to finish up. Now, I didn't miss any of Discovery. They just aired from the beginning of the episode to the end. But it's like, if it's going to be on 8.30 on your streaming service, you should drop it at, at, at 8.30. 8.30. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a paying customer. Right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to shout the money for it. You should. Yeah, you should that. You should definitely make sure that it's streaming on time. Yeah. You know, was I. Because of sports ball? What was that? Was it delayed because of sports ball? I would, I would, that's probably what it was. It might, it might, it, it might be. I suspect that, that that makes the most sense. You know, uh, it is, what what I'm curious about is so they said that um, what they're, that that the all access is about one million subscribers, I believe is what they said. Um, they here's what uh, on the one site. So these they're hoping that they can take their one million subscribers to about four million. So they aren't expecting Discovery to carry all that, but they're trying to boost it. Mm-hmm. So. But that's quite a significant bit less than the 10 million viewers that watched the first episode. Yeah. Uh, when I want to look at it, at least straight out. Um, they didn't release any streaming data for Discovery, but noted that Sunday was a streaming service's best day for new subscriptions, hmm. as you would kind of suspect. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's probably... I mean, they, they were still offering a free month Sunday, so people could still... I just saw a free week, so maybe you uh, got a better deal than I did. So, I mean, I'm paying for it now. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And so, so I did not watch it, as as you know. But but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Let's talk about Discovery. We're talking about the stats of it, but what did you think of the first episode? And we'll talk about just the first episode because I think M, that's all you saw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I really like what I saw. Um. I mean, the, the visual effects are, are stunning. They're they're movie movie quality. Um, different way to start off a Star Trek show. You're starting off with you know some of this has already been discussed before, but we never saw the discovery in the first episode. It was all took place on the on the Shinzao, but it was laying the backstory for um, Michael Burnham's uh, story. And and events with the Klingons moving forward and her relationship with with Sarek. Um, probably the only complaint I I had was maybe the visual effects were so good that sometimes it was hard to see the ships uh, up close. You know, I don't know I don't know if they're trying to go for natural lighting or whatever, but sometimes sometimes the ships for me were hard to see, the, especially the Klingon ships. Some of the Klingon ships were kind of hard to make out sometimes, um, but I, I mean, it, it, I, I think the show is definitely. I mean, when we get to the Easter eggs, it's definitely paying homage to uh, the Star Trek that that's come before. Yeah. Uh, um, how about you? What What did you think of this first episode? Um. Well, try to figure out what the hell happened to the Klingons. All of a sudden, they're hairless. Like they don't have those amazing beards and those amazing brows and like they're just 
Like, I think we're exposed to, the, at least I've been exposed only to maybe a religious sect, the people who follow and, and have the deep faith in Kalos, who travel the stars to find their version of Valhalla and work, like, the, the story of Kalos completely. Like, that that was, I love that we have Klingons, but they look a, just a mess. We can't <coughs> figure it out. Now, uh, before you go on, Miles, does this harken back to the original Klingons, or is this a, like a totally new style of Klingons? They've taken the basic theme with the Klingon look as far as the head ridges, and probably embellished them more. And people say the Klingons look different. Well, no, that they it's still the same. It's still the same theme. If you put a wig, if you put facial hair, you'll think for the most part they they look like they came off of. Next, set up off next generation, but, but they're super ornate though. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. They're they're much more the face facial structures, much more ornate than I remember. And then in Enterprise, so this is after Enterprise, but before TOS. Correct. correct? That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we're to believe the Enterprise line, where they all took this drug and all of a sudden they look humany again. And the whole war flick, we don't talk about it. We, it's a period of history we don't discuss. It's. It was just, It was. I was shocked to see them so ornately designed. Mm-hmm. They feel a little over-designed. Um, they definitely don't look like any of the Klingon foreheads I worked on when I worked at Paramount um, Parks. And they, they were just really, I don't know, I'm, I'm having a hard time since... I'm having a hard time because no one's really explained what happened to them. They, because in TOS they have you know really weird, not really ridges but just strange facial features. But then when you go back, because of time, they're all ridgy, but they're not ridgy. And Kalis looks ridgy, but he shouldn't look ridgy. I, I I'm confused by what's going on with the the Klingons. However, the Klingon language sounds much more like. It just sounds much more original. Like it hasn't been all. It it just feels so much more Klingon, which is not a <laughs> great description. Um, but the episode did grab me. Um, I was happy to see so many female characters. I was happy to see the discussions. I did not realize that Michael was the ward of a of a of a of a Vulcan. Because I remember the first time she spoke, I thought, God, she's really, she looks half Vulcan, half human. So I guess I'll learn more of her story in the second episode. Um, and then it was, then I, I had that moment of, I wonder if Sarek ever told Spock that he had like a foster sister. Yeah, that's. Because uh... <laughs> this just, it's out of the blue. But right. I feel like we know that family so well because they've been in everything. It just seemed a little, that seemed a little jarring too. So it's, they've done a good job of making me go, of making me, I'm, I'm satisfied with the first episode. I've definitely, my interest is peaked because it's not what I was expecting. So I'm going to keep watching. Um, and I'll watch because, you know, Star Trek, but I'm disappointed that I have to pay for it. And they really better deliver. If I'm going to have to pay for it, uh, I, they need to cough up some cash and make it amazing. Yeah. They can't screw it up. And provide a really good service. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to expect that. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Um, 
I, I mean, I think as far as the Klingon, <coughs> what, they're, what they're doing there is it's what they did back in 79. They said, we have, we have money, we have... Um, we could do latex. More, we have latex. We could do more with prosthetics. It's it's 2017. You know, we have a lot of money. We there's more been more advances in prosthetics and makeup. Let's let's do it. I think they will address the whole forehead issue because they did address it in Enterprise. They said a certain amount of the population got this augment virus, and that's why they they look human. That's I mean Enterprise dealt with the whole forehead issue. That, that we you know was this we we, we 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 which has been a constant conversation in Star Trek lore um, that, that they said this is how we dealt with it um, Klingons got a hold of some human augment DNA they experimented with it uh, it was it 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 it, it mutated um, they got some help from Doctor Flox. They were able to control it, but the byproduct is there are millions of Klingons with this human augment DNA, and they look human. And mm-hmm. so since Enterprise addressed it, I, I think we will see, we'll probably address it somehow in uh, Discovery. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, and you said you noticed something about uh, the captain's room. Do you want to share that? So I did some digging. I wanted to read about the production of it, and I knew that there would be a lot of homages to um, to all the Star Treks. There are things that um, that you kind of have to have because it's Star Trek, and if you're going to stay with the timeline and and the canon that has been established, you know, you, you you take them and you augment them to fit your needs. But I was doing some reading, and there's a beautiful little Easter egg that they don't really pan across it very quickly. But if you look in the um, in the ready room, where are my notes? There we go. I didn't delete them. Did you them. delete them again? I did not delete them. They're there. I'm staring at them. Scott, if you stop look that. Look at the notes. I mean, if you look at the, <laughs> if you look at the captain shelves, um, the there's a whole bunch of books there, and each of the books is actually titled after an episode of Star Trek, the original series. So there's all of them, uh, Trouble with Tribbles, Away to Eden, Mirror, Mirror, Return to Tomorrow, Patterns of Force, All Our Yesterdays, Whom Gods Destroy. There's a whole, there's just tons of them there. Um, That to me was just a beautiful, beautiful, precious little egg to say, you know, we know where we, we know where we're going. We know where we came from. And we need to we need to make sure that we ha- we keep this inside it. To me, it, it's like it's like having an Encyclopedia Britannica, actual physical memories of the of what's to come. I, ironically, in that timeline, those episodes haven't been aired yet. Yeah, <laughs> I know they're I know. futuristic tales. Woo. I, yeah. it, that's what makes it even more special. It is, it is I like special. It. I I love I love that little bit. I love that they've they've made that little that to me is a special touch. That's 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 what I consider an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but what else? What else about these episodes? Why why would So let me ask you this. Is there any reason that that this would that this would bring in viewers that are not Trek fans already? I, I mean Star Trek has a reputation, so I mean if if people 
are are new to Star Trek. I mean, they'll see. Maybe they maybe they saw the JJ the the, the, the JJ verse Kelvin timelines and thought, wow, these are exciting adventures here, and they see the trailers for Discovery and some people have uh, made the comparison and some derogatory, unfortunately, that it looks like you know JJ Trick. Well, you know they're both using you know the latest technology to create visual right. effects. Right. Of course, of course, it's going to look right. it's going to look similar. I mean. Man, the complaining going on is just mind blowing. But um, but if, if they liked if they liked that, they might like Discovery because I mean, this is Discovery is going to look. I mean, they're going to they they've spent a ton of money to make this show look fantastic. A lot of action. It's going to have a lot of action. Um, but we, we talked about you know, M talked about the you know the, the details, the ornate. I mean, this is an HD, so. All, even the props are going to be are, are going to be ornate and, and standouts because I mean if if, it, if they looked kind of plain or fake in HD you would know it. The, these things are going to look real. They're going to look pretty badass. Yeah. So like one of the one of the things that was pointed out was that the communicators. So they look a lot like what you'll see in TOS to come, but they actually light up. And they're actually practical. They so that's impressive and 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 sweet that they've done that. And then there's a little harken to um, to JJ's Star Trek because they use the clear displays or the translucent displays. Okay. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. And then in episodes to come, we'll see weaponry that looks a lot like a hybrid of JJ's. Trek, Kelvin Trek, and pre-Kelvin Trek, or mm, right. however they want to put it. Um, I appreciate that that level of making sure that that even even the diehard TOS fans are going to are going to be happy with the respect that they're paying to mm. the original show. Dayton Ward uh, had on his Facebook page. I don't know how he. I guess when he was at, I think they had props at Vegas Con, and he, he he's shown holding the phaser pistol, the 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 rifle, the communicator, tricorder, and they're they're nice uh, balance between you know with you know modern sensibilities today, but also kind of with the the whole '60s look on, on them. So it's kind of balance of both. Uh, um, I love the props. I think the props look beautiful. I think they honor what came before, but at the same time, you know, they, they look, you know, functional today. Yeah. I guess I'm just not sure that when I, when I, when I think about this series, that I understand if you are a diehard Trek fan, that you're going to be quicker to spring for that $6 a month than someone who is only, oh, yeah, I'd watch Trek if it was on, but... How to get the casual viewer. Right. And I mean, I mean... And, so it has to be something special, yeah. To do it, and so uh, time will tell. I mean, this is we don't we don't know, mm-hmm. and I'm not dissing it. I mean, but we'll see we'll see what happens. I, I think as far as the casual viewer, they'll have to woo them with this is going to be a, a tremendous action adventure um, story yeah. and, that that you enjoyed in other things. Um, yeah. If 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 they're not if they don't understand the rich history of Star Trek. It's going to have to appeal to that. Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, you have some other notes here. Anything else you want to highlight before we take a real quick break and, uh, you know, kind of celebrate our sponsors here? Um, well, so apparently, so Jeff Bezos is a, a, a owner of Amazon.com and Amazon, all the Amazon things. Uh, Jeff Bezos is a huge Star Trek fan, and he managed to score a role on Star Trek Beyond, which is very funny. So <laughs> to go with that, he's actually added some Starfleet commands to the AI of um, Alexa. Oh, nice. Cool. So there's like, speak Klingon. What would Scotty say? Revenge is a dish best served cold. So that one, um, Nathan Fillion posted on Instagram him saying a revenge is a dish best served cold and then there's a pause and alexa goes Con! Nice. it is awesome so now i i kind of wish i had an alexa now you want to go out and buy an alexa just for that right so then i went to my wonderful little uh siri here here we go hold on let's turn siri on oh hey here we go what can i help you with oops stop it Hey, Siri. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Let me check on that. I found some information about revenge is a dish best served cold. Take a look. That's it. That's all. It's not, it's uh, like, it's not funny or. No, it's not. Do you trust Klingons? <laughs> what would McCoy say? What I found on the web for, or do you trust Klingons? Yeah, so, Apple, you're a little behind, and I'm yeah. really disappointed in you. I Alexa, We've... I need to get my hands on an Alexa. <laughs> apparently, apparently, you do need that. Um, I have Alexa on, on my uh, Kindle at home. I should try that. You should try. Should try. It. Try yeah. it on yeah. your Kindle. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, very good. Well, we want to hear what what some of our listeners and viewers, uh, I guess, well, listeners for the uh, show are talking about Orville and the Star Trek Discovery. So when we come back, we're gonna hear from them we'll talk about what they're saying as well okay so uh yeah so archivos we talked about this on our last show but this is the uh, story software where it helps you plot out your story miles right mm-hmm. and uh by the way dave retweeted that uh the comment we made about george r, r. martin should use archivos yeah so he get us game of thrones right uh, so get game of thrones on. that was his favorite comment from the show by the way that's great so nice. <laughs> but uh but apparently, uh, you know, this is a this is a this is a great story mapping software that if you're a writer, um, and when we talk about writer, we often think about stories, but this can be like an episode writer of a TV show, or a web series, or uh, M in the case. I know that you're involved with the the game, you know, the story arcs and games. That this would be great for you to map and keep track of and get a feel for the way your the story is going and help you to visualize it. Um, I know some of my, some of the students I work with are very visual people, and uh, this would be a perfect you know way to complement writing. So, hmm. um, but yeah, so this is uh, definitely worth checking out, and it's archivos. What is it? Uh, um, archivos digital. Is that right? Yes, so, uh, www.archivos.digital. And Archivos it. is A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S. Yeah, that's for those of us who are spelling challenged. Um, but this is, um, Archivos could help you with that probably too. <laughs> if you're spelling, <laughs> no. But this is, uh, it's a great place. And the best thing about Archivos right now, uh, the you, you pay $5 a month 
and it's a year subscription. But I'm going to be honest that if you if you actually sign up now, you get three months free. Oh, so like they aren't going to start charging you to like January, and so like yeah, from January to December 2018, you get that year five dollars a month, and if you sign up now, you get these next three months free, and that's just like bonus mm-hmm. in my opinion. But well, we're going to hear a little bit. We're going to allow Dave to talk about it on the promo. Uh, as he talks about Archivos and what it can do for you. And after uh, after he does that, we're going to be back by he- to hear about your thoughts regarding Star Trek Discovery and Orville. Introducing Archivos, a new story development tool that allows writers and gamers to document the story elements of their settings, map the relationship between those elements, and then display those connections through three unique interfaces. One of those displays is the story web. Every story element is presented as an avatar with any related elements orbiting around it. It's a single display that illuminates the complete network of connectivity of your story world. Plus, like all of Archivos' display modes, the story web is searchable and filterable, so you can explore the aspects of your story world that captures your imagination. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. Okay, and we are back. And, uh... So uh, why don't we just jump into it? Let's hear what some listeners are sharing. And uh, who wants to take Dave Seller's comment? I can. You got it? Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead, Miles. As a lifelong Trek fan, it's wonderful to see it back on the small screen where it belongs. The storylines thus far, I believe, could be pulled from any TOS or TNG episode, mixed with humor at the appropriate times. I'm all in, and I think it's going to be a great success. Oh, wait. That's the Orville. Discovery? <laughs> yes, I watched the first half. That was on broadcast. It was great. Production was awesome. I can sense a little Spock Bones action between uh, Burnham and Saru. I think that's the science officer's name. That is correct. But for some reason, it didn't excite me enough to go out right away and sign up. I don't have too much more to judge by. by but my big hang-up is, do I want another subscription for just one show? Especially when I'm loving the Trek show that Fox is broadcasting for free, he puts in quotes. Yeah. Just the thought of one of the many contentious, lifelong Trek fans. I can't wait to hear what you all have to, to say about it. All right, so what do you guys have to say about that? I, I liked how he started his uh, <laughs> comment. Um, yeah, we, we definitely see the, connect, you know, the, the connections between Trek and Orville. Yeah, that's that's an individual decision. I I decided I, I I'll I'll shell out the five ninety nine a month. I mean, you look at what people spend money on Star Trek. I saw a meme kind of making fun of those who complain about that, considering all the money they spend on Trek, you know, memorabilia, <laughs> merchandise. Right, right. I mean, the coffee at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I I own a Star Trek mug. Um, so, I you know I I'm I'm not going to judge or be begrudge anybody for not wanting to shell out the five ninety a month and, and wait till it comes out on Netflix. I decided for myself I'm going I want to watch it while it's aired. Um, so, yeah. Um, how about you? What do you think about what he's saying? Well, 
I mean, that's his. Uh, it's his personal choice. I I'm gonna do the free week so that I can watch this episode. I'm going to decide if I need to. I need to decide if I want to wait until there's a couple of epi- episodes in the hopper, pay for a month, watch them all, and then I'm trying to get the most bang for my buck because right. if if I'm still right. getting commercials for six seven dollars a month, I mean I pay eleven bucks for Hulu. Right, and, and I get commercial. no commercials, yeah. and I like it. <laughs> it no, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna watch it. I will probably pay for maybe like a month or two as soon as there's a couple of episodes in the in the in the hopper. Yeah. So me, I haven't I haven't made the call yet in that, but um, well, we have some other response, and Lee kind of responded to what Dave was saying, and uh, um, do you want to take that or should I take Lee's? Go for it. All right. So this is Lee. Lee, of course, is one of the moderators of our Sci-Fi Diner podcast page on Facebook. So thanks, Lee, for that. We don't often thank you enough, but he often, a lot of the posts you see on there are from him. And he responded by this. He said, I'm in the same boat. I spend almost $200 a month for satellite, internet, Netflix, and other things. And now this I will most likely pay, but I won't be happy about it for just one show. I do have another problem with this, and that's, that our friends in Canada and the UK and other places will get the show on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So why is NA footing the bill for the CBS internet programming? It's not fair, and I think the CBS is shooting themselves in the foot with this. Yeah, our um, our friends in Canada and in and, and, and Europe are, are going to be able to watch, well, at least England will be able to get to watch on Netflix. You could spoof a VPN and do it yourself here. That's true. <laughs> Not saying I endorse that, mind you. I'm just saying. I'm just could. confirming that it's a possibility. Yeah, it is be possible. So you can like Perhaps. you can set your computer to pretend you're in the UK. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay. Um, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, there are places on the internet that can show you how to do that, Miles. Okay. Not that I will. Point you in a you're, you're, you're discouraging that. Yeah, but... I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying that you can. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, gotcha. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lee also went on to say, got to say that last night there were two episodes, and I'd forgotten about the second one playing on the CBS Online, so I will catch up when the free week starts Sunday, but I did enjoy the first episode. So he enjoyed it. All that being said, he had this preamble, but he enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, we got that. And can you read the... Um, the commentary from Chris Wilson. Do you uh, see that one? Yes. It's right below Dave Sellers kind of response. But... Well, then I got to make it bigger since I had like one of my eyes is still yeah. swollen. She has a bionic. Uh, she has a bionic eye now to shoot I lasers. I don't have a bionic she eye. She shoot lasers. I had some work done. Pew, 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 so pew, I could pew, see. Pew, <laughs> so pew, pew. Chris Wilson, I live in the UK and dis- uh, Discovery was shown on Netflix. The first two episodes, I watched it last night. It thought in. it was really fantastic. It drew you in. The research and special effects were just like watching a movie. I agree completely. Uh, I did find all the subtle subtitles for the Klingon language quite difficult to keep up with, as uh, uh, I'm dyslexic, so I'm a slow reader. I'm with you there, my friend. Um, dyslex- dyslexic as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a off and it was off screen before I was able to read a lot of it. Other than what I found, other than that, I found the show was very engaging. I'm looking forward to the next episode. So Chris likes it. 
That's good. And of course, he's rubbing in. I'm in the UK. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, Chris. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a bit bitter that it's not on Netflix here. But It's just uh, very disappointing. I don't know what the... I'm curious what the thought process was behind yeah, that. I don't know. Chelsea Dawn Jones said, It's shiny, but I'm upset that I will need to have an all-access pass to continue watching it. So... And uh, that's kind of the sentiment, seems to be the sentiment from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I got this question to a personal Facebook feed. I thought it bore discussing here. Stu Metzler, actually a distant cousin of mine, said, For a lighter topic, Star Trek Discovery versus the Orville. I like the formal, ho- former, hoping it's not only about a war between Klingons and the Federation, but we'll have to pay to watch it. I also like... The, the latter and its next generationally feel but I have to wade through the crassness for free what are your thoughts how about sci-fi guru Scott Hersai he's giving me a lot of credit there by the way I wouldn't call myself a guru but you know hey whatever Miles you are guru oh, me well. <laughs> not so much so that's um his thoughts on it um so the crassness um Crassness for me was not a deal breaker on it. Mm-hmm. I've seen shows that are worse. Yeah, I I, I think it, they're, they're, it's slightly sophomoric in the Orville, but it's um, maybe that's why I enjoy it. It's not, <laughs> but I don't think it's too gross. It's not too gratuitous. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Nate Roach responded, "I doubt the Orville will last. It doesn't know what kind of show it wants to be." Uh, um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm kind of not there. I'm not sure why he's saying that. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's saying because it... Here, so to play devil's advocate, he might be saying it's, it's, it's coming off as sophomoric, as we said sometimes, but at the same time, it's addressing some real serious issues. So maybe in his mind he's saying you have to be one or the other. You can either be sophomoric or you can address serious issues. You can't be both. According but to I'm not, I, a, I, I disagree with it's that. A, but. It's a dramedy. It's a little drama. It's a little comedy. It's yeah, doable. I think so. Yeah. But, yeah. How about, uh, do you want to read the comment from anyone who want to take Jared's comment? I've seen far worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one? No. That, oh, that, he, has a, he has another comment above that. Oh, sorry. Uh, I haven't seen Discovery yet, but Orville was very refreshing. Nice to have a sci-fi comedy on mainstream television. Fun fact, Seth MacFarlane, writer and star of Orville, fought for years to get actual rights to Star Wars because he wanted his show to actually exist in that universe, but ultimately he couldn't talk to them. He couldn't talk them into it, so he made his own. Oh, that's interesting. And then Stu Metzer replied, but that's crass. But the crassness, though, yeah, and then Jared the, replied, I've seen far worse. Yeah, the crassness, he's kind of hung up on. Uh, it's, Star, it's Star Trek, not Star Wars, by the way. So, Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's Seth MacFarlane. Right. I think it's funny that he actually tried to make real Trek. And, uh, and they just kind of shunned him on it. I know he's a fan. He he actually even made. Well, he, yeah, seriously. Guess. I mean, you watch Orville. He's clearly a fan. Well, he was. He he got he got an extra. They let him be an extra on an episode of Enterprise when Enterprise was on. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. Maybe he was also an extra in the, um, the last Next Generation movie too. Yeah, we have some people that responded that just are not fans. What one guy doesn't doesn't doesn't. Uh, 
Joel said, I don't want, I won't watch it because it's Seth MacFarlane, period. Because he's just, uh, he doesn't like his brand of humor. And another guy, Dave Crick, said, I only watched part of Orville, turned it off, didn't really like it that much, but it might appeal to a different generation than mine. So, older generation. And I can see that if you think that, like, Star Trek has always been very proper. So, if you go in and saying this is going to be Star Trek, um, then I can see why that might put you off, right? Mm -hmm. But um, he did uh, he did enjoy Star Trek Discovery, he said. But he also said he, he hopes they make a movie out of Star Trek Discovery. Well, let's let let's let the show run a season or two. Yeah, before we, before we go <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, you know, people seem mixed on Orville, but I think it's more or less the way you approach Orville. Yeah, I, I think Em said it better. It's a dramedy. It's, it it's, is. I, em, I, let's, let's give Em an applause. Because right yeah. Yeah. Right, I agree. I agree, Em. You did a great... golf clap. Yeah, a golf clap. We can snap like they do in the cafes. All right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, I think you did say it well. It is, it is a comedy and it's space. I think one of the things that is refreshing to me is we have a space comedy. It reminds you a little bit and I'm not making any, well, I'm making a comparison, but loosely here, um, on the, um, why am I missing the name? The, the Star Trek parody, the movie. Oh, Galaxy Quest. Thank you, Galaxy Quest. A little bit like that. There's a little bit of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Galaxy Quest. Um, but different. Uh, yeah. Well, any other thoughts about what people are saying here? Anything that you were hearing, maybe, as you talk to people? It, it, a lot of people are not, thrilled with cbs chart you know what cbs is doing you have to subscribe to the network to get star trek and i i understand it i get that i you know it's just you gotta make that make a decision for yourself if you want you know if you if if you want to get another subscription service uh chris wilson doesn't mind he's living in the uk he's okay with it he's just charge those americans just let him go he He's one of those lucky guys who can get it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So so can Colin. Colin can get it. Yes, he can get it on Netflix also. But oh boy. Yeah. All right. Any thoughts about what? Any conclusions or thoughts? I think you've been hearing him. No, not really. I kind of I've been avoiding everything because I wanted. Yeah. I just wanted just want to enjoy it. Yeah. I just well, want to enjoy right. it. Well, that's good. Let's 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 wrap up. Let's move in. Uh, so that's our thoughts. We would love, by the way. Hear your thoughts about what you think about Orville, uh, maybe the way it's progressing, uh, what you think about the storylines, the characters, etc. And also, if you're watching Discovery, and if you sprang to pay for the subscription, what made you do that? What are you thinking about it? And uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. And you can email them into us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.net.com. Excuse me, I can't remember our gmail handle and uh our you know facebook's always a great place to do it our twitter another place you can obviously respond to what we're talking about well without further ado let's go into our interview we have an interview to share with you from uh jodel furland you want to tell us a little bit about that interview yeah so we we had the opportunity to meet her over at uh, shore leave this this uh this yes, past year the shore leave thank you again for inviting us mm-hmm. and um She's one of the characters on Dark Matter. Sad to say, Sci-Fi did not renew that show. Um, but uh, we had a nice conversation with uh, Miss Furland. She is a Sci-Fi fan herself in a lot of things, so uh, we had no problem connecting there. 
Right, right. I mean, she's done tons of stuff. She was in Cabin in the Woods, um, Silent Hill. Uh, she has us. She has some stuff coming up. Um, I I guess in Black Hat, which is in pre-production, and Never Knock. So there, have been, she has some stuff that's coming up. But she's also been in like stuff in the past. You, you mentioned she was in Stargate episodes, right? She was in two episodes. Yeah, in, in, in an episode of Atlantis and an episode of uh, um, SG One. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So very good. And she was very nice to talk to. We oh yes, interviewed she was. right at her table, and she mm-hmm. was uh, she was very good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's one of the reasons I think that uh, people would watch Dark Matter. She she's an attractive young lady. Um, well, she, 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 she she's a cute. Unique, very unique look too. I think. Yeah, I, she looks like she's she's a, maybe half Asian. I would think maybe. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, she looks like she, she she's probably in her early twenties, but she could easily pass for some for for a teenager. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. But Emma, have you seen her in anything? Do you remember seeing her anywhere? I I don't. She doesn't look familiar to me. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that, you know, again, I you know I, I recognize her from the posters and stuff from Dark Matter, but Dark Matter is not even a show that I watched. I know mm-hmm. that you did, Miles. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Dark Matter? Uh, em? I did not. I yeah. had it on my list to watch, and then yeah. I was going to watch it quickly in in hopes of oh, I should get this done before the next season starts. But then yeah. that just didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen at all. And now so you now can I just watch whatever. Yeah. All right, well, so without any further ado, here is our interview with Jodel Furlan from Shore Leave 39. Is it 39? I just say the year now. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you can never remember. Yeah. From Shore Leave 2017. Das. TJ, what's going on? Are you all right? I've been shot. My God. It's okay. I don't. I don't think it hit anything vital. Just have to keep pressure on it to stop the bleeding. Well, we have to get you to a doctor. No, no, no doctors. They they find us. Who? What is this? Remember the guy you picked yesterday. What, the, the guy with the beard. Yeah. Well, that was no ordinary mark. He was. He was connected. We didn't have anything. Just. What looked like some weird data storage device. I couldn't even read it. I need some water or something. Um. Here. It wasn't a data storage device. It was, it was some kind of key. And this thing? I was going to see if I could sell it in the market for a few bars. I think it's worth a lot more than that. They want it back pretty bad. Who's they? Some guys came around asking questions. And someone must have tipped them off because we didn't even see them coming. TJ, where are the others? They're dead. They killed them. We don't have any money. It's not enough. It's enough for one. To get as far as I can No, I'm not leaving you. I was in a coffee shop this morning. 
casing another market. I, I overheard two guys talking. So? We need to get to Cargo Bay 4. Now. It's our only chance. Currently we see you in, in Dark Matter, which I love. It's, a, it's in space, there's spaceships, and even androids. Can you tell us the story how you got the role? Uh, well, I really got the role the same way that I get every other role. I, I got an email with uh, an audition um, that I was supposed to go to, but I was sick at the time, so I, I taped it instead and sent it into them. Um, and I got a call back, which I was very excited about because I auditioned for a lot of things and you don't hear back from a lot of them. Um, so I was really excited because when I read the script, I thought, oh, this looks awesome. I can't wait to watch it. And I didn't actually think that I would end up being in it. Oh, cool. I just love sci-fi and I thought it looked really cool. Um, and then uh, I got a call back. I didn't even know if it went well or not. And the next thing I heard was that I got the part. So I was, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm a fan of the show, I'm, uh, so I'm glad it worked out for you. Thank you. So we got some backstory for your character, but not a lot. Are we going to learn a little bit more about Five this season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's bit by bit because not even Five really knows about Five's past, not much. Um, I don't know more than what's in the scripts because the writers don't really tell us a lot, but uh, but season three, you definitely, definitely uh, find out more about, the uh, about Five's past. So I, I love the premise, all the main characters, their memories are wiped and they're mm -hmm. trying to figure things out as they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so, some characters, as show writers, continue to work in the show, they get input into them. Do you get any input into Five at all? Um, I would say that we all have our say in how our characters develop. I mean, the writers are uh, <laughs> they're geniuses, and I don't want to interfere with that at all. But um, if we have any input, they're definitely willing to listen. Um, yeah, it's not, you know, some shows that you don't get any input at all. Right. They're not like that. They will so listen to whatever accessible. you have to say. Yeah, yeah. So we're at a sci-fi con, I'm getting to nerd out a little and meet you and David Ben David, two of the stars of Dark Matter. What are some things that make you nerd out? Um, <laughs> where do I start? Um, I, I love anime, I love sci-fi, I love I, I, art things, I just, I, I'm a geek in general, like very geeky. So it's a good thing you get to work in the genre. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I'm on Firefly or Doctor Who, it's like, I love it so much. Cool. What, uh, what anime do you like? Oh, I love so many. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist is one of my favorites. Um, I've been watching Sword Art online lately. Death Note is like probably my all-time favorite. Are you excited about the uh, Netflix adaptation of it? Or I have, I have uh, mixed feelings about that. <laughs> um, I don't want to be negative, but I don't know how I feel about it. William um, Defoe's, like, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure the actors are amazing, but, uh, but I love Death Note so much that it's hard to see it changed I don't know I don't know how I feel about it um, but I love I love the anime and I have every single issue of the manga and that's like that's the first one that I got into which is why it's like so close to my heart I love it so what's next for you uh, we know you're in your dark matter this season mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else we could be plugging um, <laughs> I did just do a, another scary movie um, called Never Knock. That's right, you do horror movies also? Yes, 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 yes. Um, Dark Matter does take up most of my time. It takes up half the year, but uh, but that's uh, that should be coming up. I'm not sure when it'll come out, because I just finished filming, but um, if, you, if you're if you a fan of the scary things that I've done, then uh, people will like that one. Cool. And that also has um, 
Dominique and Varun from Winona Earp. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so I think sci-fi fans will like it. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mr. Varun, thank you for giving us your time today. Yeah, of course. And we are back. We hope you you enjoyed our interview with Jodel Furland. And uh, to wrap us up, Miles is going to be sharing his top five Easter eggs from Discovery. And M's going to be over there judging whether they're actually Easter eggs or not. What? No, that's... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so, sure. But, but, let, but let's set this yeah. up. What, what do we consider an Easter egg and... Um, go ahead. So, like, the Sarek... Sarek I don't consider an Easter egg because it's not like he was secretly planted there and he was, like, in the background. You're like, oh, shit, that was... Or, oh, man, that was Sarek. <laughs> he was, he's clearly part of her life and part of her world. The bookcase thing... Oh, the... Well, um, I don't want to spoil it, but there's one... There's, there's something else in the, um, in the ready room of the captain that is a that's an easter egg that's something that you you click on and something magical happens um that to me is an easter egg and then we'll go from there yeah absolutely well let's uh let's go ahead and uh, why don't you start us off with your number five easter egg so number five i didn't spot this some other uh very attentive fan did, but um, in Captain uh, Giorgio's uh, ready room, she has a bottle of Chateau Picard on uh, her on a sh on one of her shelves. Ooh, that is an amazing Easter egg. That so, is an Easter egg. Who will agree? That's an Easter egg. So whoever, whoever put that prop there, props to you for doing that. Ah, I get the fun. Props. Yes, very good. Uh, number four. Um, the ambient noise on the bridge. Uh, it is. Sounds very much like TOS and TNG, the, the bridge sound effects you would hear. No, you said it's not an Easter egg, but purposeful, right? Yeah, they made a point of sound of making it sound as close, as close to uh, as close to TOS as possible without being TOS exactly, but still giving it its own its own spin so that it's unique to the to that age to that time period in the canon. Yeah. They they did so much work. I was yeah. so proud of. I was not proud of them like they're my children, but just <laughs> so impressed. And I really respect all that work. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the people the, the the people putting the show together are our fans of Trek. So yeah. So they're, they're, they're disappointed. Uh, this is a more obscure reference, uh, but uh, the, the the one Klingon leader he mentions the the Black Fleet a few times. Uh, readers of the Star Trek novels will get this reference as a, it's an allusion to the Klingon afterlife. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. So I don't know, see, because that's part of a storyline, is that an Easter egg? Since that, since it's not... It, again, it's an obscure reference. Yeah, so maybe. Um, maybe. But I, I... Number two, uh, the Klingon learn... The Klingon, the Vulcan lear learning domes. So we saw these in Star Trek 09, which indirectly referenced uh, an episode in the, in the animated series. Um, yeah. Well, and it was in the movies. Yes, the, the yes. Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek 09 movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wasn't it in uh, one of the Kelvin universe? That's yeah. That's yeah. That's the first time we. Oh, we, so that's what you're calling. The, oh, yeah. when you say 09, you aren't talking about Star Trek 9. You're talking about the year 9. Yeah. Got it. I was so getting confused. And and last, um, this is my fan theory, but so 
when, when Sarah and uh, Michael ha- are communicating through this mind meld, when she's in that um, brig that that's half gone, and uh, but uh, he says it's it, it because he's light years away, he can do this, but it's, it's taking a physical toll on him. And I, this is a theory of mine that. Uh, Long-time viewers of Star Trek will know that in Next Generation, we find out Sarek is suffering and subsequently dying from uh, Bandai Syndrome, which is a neurological disease that he will suffer in TNG. I wonder if this mind meld and him inadvertently giving part of his katra to Michael Burnham, it it becomes the cause of this uh, this, this thing that he will suffer later on. That's a good theory. So those those are my Easter eggs. Yeah, it's a good theory. Mm -hmm. We will, we will, maybe we'll find out. Maybe it'll tell us. Mm-hmm. Although I'll allude to it more. So very good. Well, that, those are some good Easter eggs. Are good, uh, good things that are purposeful that maybe people didn't notice. Yeah, I, I mentioned that on a couple of the uh, Facebook discussion thread threads on on Discovery, and a couple people thought, man, that's that could be that could be. Yeah, it's as good as anyone's theory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, well, very good. Well, I believe that about brings us out of the show. It's been a pleasure chatting Star Trek with you guys. Oh, it's been fun. Yeah. And Absolutely. Orville, and Orville, which is kind of Star Trek. So It kind of is. So yeah. Star Trek. So it's just Star Trek with you guys, right? <laughs> um, well, very good. If you want to share your thoughts on anything we've said in the show, again, you may post them up on our Facebook page at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast on Facebook. Um, or you can you know send us a message on Twitter or email us. We would love to hear from you. Again, if you are looking and getting into uh, listening to books, please check out our Audible trial that you can uh, sign up for. And um, we'll have that in there. But it's it's audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. And if you are a writer and are looking to actually uh, organize your writing and maybe a more efficient visual way, archivos.digital might be the place for you to go. And we're grateful for having them as a sponsor. And we didn't mention this, but we do have Patreon supporters. We do. And we have a great giveaway. We're giving away some Star Trek stuff, some signed autograph stuff on Patreon. So check that out. Go to uh, patreon.com backslash sci-fi to find out more about that. I think that's about it. Okay. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Space pants. (laughs) 